0: You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Lost in all of the Chicago Bears quarterback rumors, the trade speculation, the fun hypotheticals, is the guys around the quarterback in Chicago. The supporting cast. And what happened to the Bears team that only a few years ago really looked like it was just a quarterback away from true contention. And now it feels like they're more than a quarterback away, regardless of who they pick up. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, And I'm here to bring you your daily, in depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Today's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit RockAuto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On the show today, a look at what the Bears have outside of the quarterback position and a little bit more of a big picture discussion of what's changed. This Bears team was so close to contention just a couple of seasons ago and it felt like they just needed improvement at the quarterback position and that's what's going to put them over the top. But the quarterback stayed the same over the last few seasons with a little bit of Nick Foles mixed in between and yet everything went downhill and it doesn't feel like we're talking about that decline enough outside of the quarterback spot. So we'll look at What specifically has changed, where the blame belongs, and what the Bears need this offseason, and what value there is to upgrading the quarterback position when you have so many other things that need to be upgraded around whatever quarterback it is you bring in. Remember how much fun we had in 2018? It started with the heartbreaking loss to the Packers, but from there you jump ahead to Mitch Trubisky's record-breaking performance against the Buccaneers. Six touchdown passes, a little bit of trouble out of the bye week, but the Bears go on to win five in a row and nine out of their last ten, finally win the division, finally knock the Packers off of that top spot, beat the Green Bay Packers late in that season, and ride that success all the way into the playoffs. Of course, things... Don't end in that wild card game the way we thought they might. But you've heard Bears fans say that team felt like it was good enough to really contend, to really go far. And if that Eagles game had just gone a little differently, the the oddly shaped ball bounces ever so slightly, the Bears may have a very different outcome in 2018 than the disappointment that we ultimately remember it as. But it was still a season where we saw a fairly well-rounded Bears offense. You know, you would have liked to see them run the ball a little bit better, but they stuck to it. It was part of the offense that Mitch Trubisky was able to distribute the ball to a number of different receivers. It wasn't just the Allen Robinson Robinson show. We had Trey Burton productive in the offense. Tariq Cohen was a huge dynamic threat out of the backfield. Taylor Gabriel get involved. Anthony Miller flashing early in his career. A lot of different guys working on this offense, the offensive line playing well. And of course, a absolutely dominant Chicago Bears defense. The number one defense in the NFL. And Vic Fangio playing his way into a head coaching role as a result. That was a, as good of a Chicago Bears team as we've seen probably since, what, 2010? When they went to the NFC Championship game? Certainly the most successful since then. But you can make some arguments for different Bears teams we've seen along the way. Regardless, everything was gravy in 2018. Two years later back-to-back 500 seasons and now a pretty strong push to fire the general manager and the head coach and an expectation that they probably have one year left to really turn things around or else we're blowing up this regime that, again, had such a phenomenal 2018 season. And two years is not a long time for this to have crumbled in that way. But more specifically, it's not about the time, but it's about the actual changes that have happened because they are surprisingly few this is not a Bears team that has had drastic roster overhaul since 2018. It's not like the team that goes to the Super Bowl and then loses and then can't compete again because all of the really good Super Bowl caliber players go and sign elsewhere and they don't have enough money for everybody. The Bears haven't changed that much, particularly, I look on offense. You have four of the same five starting offensive lineman. It was Kyle Long in 2018 and part of 2019 injured in both seasons. So you were all, you always kind of had a question mark at right guard and some rotation there. Even when they were being successful, you go from Kyle Long to Jermaine Fetty and now a little bit unknown for 2021 if they're going to move James Daniels over there or Cody Whitehair. But regardless, as of right now, And in 2020, four of the same five starters on the offensive line. You go from Jordan Howard at running back to David Montgomery at running back, but you finish 2020 with more rushing yards than the Bears had in 2018. It was a fine season from David Montgomery. They had trouble running the ball successfully, but in terms of the talent in the backfield, Tariq Cohen's injury playing a factor in that, but David Montgomery, a capable running back that the Chicago Bears have to rely on. Wide receiver, Still Allen Robinson, still Anthony Miller. And you add Darnell Mooney in the place of Taylor Gabriel feels like at least a push, if not a better move. I mean, Darnell Mooney is going to be better. Maybe in their one seasons, they were comparably similar in terms of production for Gabriel in 2018 and Mooney in 2020, but not a drastic loss of talent at wide receiver by any means. And the only really drastic changes are at tight end, where you really overhauled the spot. You go from Trey Burton, Deion Sims, and Ben Broniker to Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, and Demetrius Harris. But it's not as though Trey Burton was a game changer. That was his best season in Chicago. He was an effective receiver, but he was not dynamic in that regard. And Deion Sims and Ben Bronniger weren't doing anything for you. Whereas Graham this year maybe wasn't quite as productive as Trey Burton was back then, but Cole was giving you a lot as that number two tight end moving into that number one spot. And even Demetrius Harris, not a bad number three option. So, you know, you look. Wide receiver, running back, tight end offensive line. Not a lot has changed in terms of the level of talent on this offense around the quarterback spot. Of course, then the quarterback has been Mitch Trubisky, besides the handful of games of Nick Foles we saw in between where everything went wrong. And yet, it feels like the offensive line was a lot worse. The running game was a lot worse for a lot of the season until they finally figured it out. Tight end production has been hit and miss every year for Matt Nagy and between the 20s was an issue for Jimmy Graham he was much more the red zone guy and Cole Clement showed some flashes but not producing as a top tight end in the NFL and then wide receiver still the same guys and just not quite outside of Allen Robinson not quite that complementary production in this Bears offense so does that all point to offensive coaching is that fair to point to offensive coaching and say oh well they just must mean they're not being coached as well because it's still a lot of the same coaches. I mean, this offseason now, we're seeing some changes, but until the Bears fired their offensive line coach and tight ends coach last season, it was the same cast in 2019. It's still the same running backs coach, still the same wide receivers coach. The quarterback coach became the passing game coordinator and changed a little bit there, but it's a lot of the same players and a lot of the same coaches on offense with drastically worse results. And unfortunately... The trend was the same for the defense. We'll go through some of the changes or lack thereof, particularly in the front seven, and try and figure out what has gone wrong. Why have this supporting cast in particular really gone off the rails despite not changing all that much? Next on Locked On Bears. The Bears clearly had the right parts, but... As it turns out, some of those parts just haven't been reliable enough, and no one knows more about reliable parts than our friends at rockauto.com. They're a family business that have been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Their online catalog is incredible. They're so deep with anything you could possibly think of for your car. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even New Carpet. But what I love about it is how easy it is to navigate. So not only do you have this incredible selection, but all you do is enter in your car's make and model, and then it pulls up the full list of all the parts available for your vehicle, and you just choose between the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. And it's those prices in particular that stand out to me, because a lot of the chain auto parts stores will actually have different price tiers for the professional mechanics and the do-it-yourselfers like us. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. So don't spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Head on over to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com The Bears defense never got to the level of being truly bad, but they went from number one defense in the NFL to occasionally a problem late in this 2020 season really quickly without changing a whole lot of personnel, especially it stands out to me in the front seven in particular. As I look back on that 2018 Bears defense, your defensive lineman Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, and Roy Robertson Harris, that's your projected defensive line for next year. And it doesn't seem like the Bears are planning on making any big changes in that regard. Of course, in 2020 you had Eddie Goldman opting out for the COVID-19 season. Something we kind of I for me, I kinda kind of forget that as I look back on the year, like, oh yeah. I didn't I didn't forget that Eddie Goldman was gone, but I forgot that Eddie Goldman was an opt out and it was sort of his decision to not be run the team. That's a story that has not gotten enough coverage in terms of like looking back at that. And it's been a lot of privacy, I guess, which is good for Eddie Goldman, but regardless same defensive line, missing Goldman is big, but is that, is that a big enough by itself? And, and we'll kind of go through these individually, but edge rusher position, still Khalil Mack. And you swap out Leonard Floyd for Robert Quinn, obviously in 2020, Robert Quinn not as productive for the Bears as Leonard Floyd had been, but expectations were certainly higher. And there's, I think, a feeling that Robert Quinn can still get to be and still be a better pass rusher for the Bears than Leonard Floyd was. But clearly a decline in 2020 there that was a little bit unexpected. The linebackers, same two guys, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith. And we've seen, you know, year over year, Roquan Smith supposed to get better, and that linebacker group is supposed to improve every year. I don't think we really saw that in 2019, but we started to see that next level uh, Roquan Smith in 2020, so that's trending in the right direction, but same linebackers, one different edge rusher of note in the same defensive line. You know, the number three and four edge guys changed. You know, you went from, what, Sam Acho and Aaron Lynch to Barcavius Mingo and, you know, guys like Isaiah Irving and stuff. Those are changes, but that's not why the Bears' defense fell off. It's not their third and fourth outside linebackers. The Cornerback is where you see, I think, the most substantial change, particularly going from Prince of Mukamara to Jalen Johnson. Johnson has the brightest of futures in Chicago, but there were some up and downs there, some exceptional moments that were better than what we had ever seen from Prince of Mukamara, but some mistakes there that Prince of Mukamara didn't really make all that much. He was a very solid, steady cornerback, didn't make the big explosive plays, not exceptional, but just always old reliable at that other cornerback spot. And then Bryce Callahan in the slot, going from him to Buster Screen is a downgrade. When Bryce Callahan was healthy, that's sort of the asterisk that kept the Bears from re-signing him, more or less. I mean, it's not reported in that exact way, but he was a guy that couldn't play a 16-game season in Chicago and still has not played a 16-game season in the NFL. But... You know, for those 10 to 13 games they got of him every year, significant difference at the slot cornerback spot than Buster Screen. Safety's been the kind of rotation there from Amos to HaHa Clinton Dix to Tashawn Gibson, and Clinton Dix and Gibson both played fine, right? Maybe they weren't quite up to Adrian Amos's level, but the Bears were not struggling at the other safety spot next to Eddie Jackson. So it's like... Yes, some more changes on defense, an edge rusher change, a couple of cornerbacks and a safety. That's not nothing. But it's not as though the Bears are, like, desperate at cornerback when everyone's healthy. They got the job done at safety. So, like, did this Bears defense decline because one of their edge rushers stopped pass rushing as well when you had Floyd DeQuinn, and then they were a little bit more vulnerable at a couple of cornerback spots and maybe at safety, but arguable? just how different was at safety like that doesn't feel like it's enough to bring this defense down and so of course the obvious unspoken thing here that sort of intentionally talking around and leaving as the elephant in the conversation is coaching but I think it's a different discussion for the offense than it is as the defense like does it doesn't feel like to me with somebody like Chuck Pagano taking over for this Bears defense he didn't try and change anything drastically. It did look different. It did function differently than Vic Fangio's defense, but it wasn't as though he came in here trying to mix everything up and trying to change them from what they were. He did ultimately change them more, but I guess does firing Chuck Pagano and and replacing him with Sean Desai all of a sudden fix everything that this Bears defense was struggling with? You know, is is that the automatic cure? Does Does that, along with... Jalen Johnson getting a little bit more experienced. Robert Quinn trying to overcome what was presumably a fluky type down year. And you get Eddie back. Like, is that all enough instantly to make this Bears defense great again? I mean, maybe. It's possible. But it's still kind of up in the air on just how good they can be because we don't know What exactly Sean Desai is going to do, how he's going to do it, and how the Bears are going to handle their other safety spot with Gibson as a free agent. I mean, there's a lot of these other team needs discussions that we can get into moving forward, but it's just kind of a weird and precipitous decline that happened so quickly on both sides of the ball. like With Matt Nagy in the offense, still the same coaches still trying to run the offense that you know it was successful in 2018 let's not get it twisted that it wasn't a world beating high flying offense but they got the job done much more so than we saw in 2020 and it, for me it's not just 2020 that's the key here like you can say 2020 was a weird covid year you know the injuries on the offensive line and the covid outbreak derailed the offensive line and the bears running game in there and Eddie Goldman opted out, and you had so many different weird things as far as not being able to practice normally, not being able to meet normally, and you could say, well, maybe 2020 was a fluke. But a lot of these same things were true in 2019. They had the same record. They didn't make the playoffs in 2019 with a lot of these same issues just manifesting themselves in some slightly different ways. So it's not as though this was a one-year anomaly for any of the reasons you can point to specifically for 2020. The larger point is... These players have not changed all that much, and yet the performance of those players has changed quite a bit over these last two years. And so what I think I come back to with it is a couple of things. One, coaching definitely is a factor here, right? Matt Nagy has struggled to adapt his offense to fit his players over the past few seasons, especially as those players have changed. But even early on, he was trying to, push some square pegs into round holes that wasn't what was best for a lot of these players. And I think his difficulties with adapting until really the second half of 2020 is a big part of that decline. Same thing, I think, defensively, where Chuck Pagano was not Vic Fangio and did end up losing some of the Fangio scheme and some of what had changed so much from 2018. But I think the bigger thing here than coaching is that 2018 was more of the anomaly. You know, we kind of have this understanding, well, they did it then, so why can't they keep doing it? Why can't the offensive line keep playing at that level? Why can't the defense keep playing at that level? And I think we can't look at 2018 and say, that's the baseline expectation, that's, that's what they should be doing, and anything below that is a disappointment. I think we have to look at 2018 and say, it was an exceptional year above what these players are normally capable of. So maybe what we've seen the last two years is a little bit more of what this offensive line is capable of. Maybe they're they're not as good as we thought they were in 2018. And maybe certain members of the defense aren't as good as we thought they were in 2018. And that maybe they're just not as elite and as well-built as we thought they were. That maybe everything came together in a way that was... Perfect timing, perfect execution, and it all worked in 2018, but it was never going to be sustainable at that level. And so, to some extent, the Bears weren't just a quarterback away like we thought they were. They were a quarterback away in 2018, but adding a better quarterback in 2019 wouldn't have solved all of the problems that started to happen in 2019 and that this roster was not fully built to be long-term a quarterback away. They just happened to kind of be built up well enough around to all happen correctly in 2018. And now that they're out of that exact set of circumstances, scenarios, opponents, et cetera, you lose some of the freshness of Matt Nagy and opposing teams trying to figure out what the Bears offense is going to be. And opposing teams trying to figure out what the Bears defense and how to slow them down and all these different things. Khalil Mack was new, brought in at the beginning of that season in the blockbuster trade. The Bears had a lot of different factors that were all exceptional. They were all rare. They all kind of coincided with good timing in 2018. That just wasn't going to happen again in 2019 and 2020 because it was impossible to have all those factors happen in the same way. And so now the Bears are left wondering, just how good are we? You know, just how good is this team? How close is this team? Matt Nagy says, we think we're really close. That's, That's where the Bears feel they are. They think they're close to that next step. It's a question of, okay, does upgrading the quarterback get you there? That's where this all ties back in, because not every quarterback upgrade is the same. And what you give up to upgrade the quarterback, a certain amount, is going to matter. And not in terms of just what you have to build your team, but like, how much are you giving up for how much of an upgrade? There's different amounts of upgrades and different amounts of compensation you have to give up for them. We'll explore who fits in what window and where that leaves the Chicago Bears next on locked on bears The football season might be over but the fun is not at betonline.ag They still have NFL action for you to play and win big Right now the odds for Deshaun Watson's next team have your Chicago Bears now up tied for the 6th best odds Unfortunately they're tied with 6 other teams for those six best odds. Still the Jets, Dolphins, and Panthers as the favorite for Deshaun Watson, but I buried the lead here because right now, highest odds for Carson Wentz's next team, Chicago Bears at one-to-one one odds at betonline.ag. Colts in second, and then it's a big gap for the Broncos and the Washington football team in third to fourth. So right now, your Chicago Bears betting favorite to land Carson Wentz and moving up the chain for Deshaun Watson odds. So now is the time to sign up for a free account at betonline.ag. And if you enter the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Chicago Bears clearly want to upgrade from Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky. But if they can only get a little bit better, is it worth giving up draft compensation that could be used to better surround your quarterback with better talent? It all depends on which quarterback they're able to land because the options are not created equal. We've heard a lot of the rumors here. And of course, I think for, for these purposes, Deshaun Watson is in his own category. I see Deshaun Watson as an elite, game-changing quarterback who truly elevates the level of play of the players around him. And I'm willing to give up pretty much whatever it takes in a trade. Within reason, multiple first-round picks. Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, throw in the players and picks that you need to get Deshaun Watson. Because if you're trading for Deshaun Watson... You're trading for the next 10 years, not just the next three years. So I'm willing to give up multiple years of first-round picks because he is going to be your franchise-starting quarterback and elevate your team for 10 years. You have time. You're rebuilding a little bit if you're trading for Deshaun Watson. But let's take him out of the discussion. The other quarterbacks that are available, how many of them are for sure drastic upgrades from what the Bears have in Nick Foles? Because let's talk about Nick Foles. Nick Foles is a quarterback that is average to below average, right? He is not a premier starting quarterback in the NFL. He is a quarterback who has won a Super Bowl when he is given a really good offensive line, quality receivers, good running game, good coaching, and a very good defense. If you support Nick Foles in all of the right ways, he can be a very successful NFL quarterback, but He is not great on his own. He lacks that mobility and at at times there are accuracy and decision-making issues, but certainly not reckless with the football or completely unusable as a quarterback. He just is kind of in that mold of like a guy who can get the job done if you give him that support. And as I look at the other list of quarterbacks that are available for a potential trade, not named Deshaun Watson, a lot of them fit in a similar category. I think... Pretty much all of the names we've heard are upgrades over Nick Foles. But how much of an upgrade is the issue here? So we talked yesterday with Ben Solak from the Bleeding Green Nation, Lockdown NFL Draft Podcast, the Draft Network. Great conversation about what went wrong with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, why the Eagles don't want him anymore, why they're trying to get rid of him, and why it's unlikely that Carson Wentz will play like he did In his MVP caliber season just a couple of years ago, why that ship has kind of sailed and why that's not really true to who Carson Wentz is at this point. Carson Wentz is still a quarterback that needs good receivers, needs a good offensive line, and needs a good defense to help him if you're really going to win more games and go to the Super Bowl and etc. He needs less help, I would say, than Nick Foles, but he's not necessarily this mobile quarterback either, a little bit better than Foles, but still a big-bodied, you know, Ben Roethlisberger-type-built quarterback with his own set of flaws as a passer and a decision-maker. Again, better than Nick Foles, but not a first-round pick better. You know, if you have to trade a first-round pick and Nick Foles to get Carson Wentz, that difference between the two of them is not a first-round pick gap between the two. You still need to do a lot of the same supporting for Wentz as you do for Foles. I think it's the same conversation with Teddy Bridgewater from the Carolina Panthers, another rumored potential option the Bears were interested in last offseason. A quarterback that's accurate, smart, takes care of the football, can move pretty well, but he's not an elite downfield passing quarterback. He's not that dynamic QB that can really, truly elevate the level of play of players around him. He's going to be more productive than Nick Foles. He's going to take care of the ball better. He's going to be more accurate. He's going to do all those things. But you're not winning a Super Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater if you don't have a pretty good offensive line, pretty good receivers, pretty good running game, pretty good defense. Same types of things that you're going to need with Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky for that matter. But Trubisky's a free agent. Sounds like he doesn't even want to be back. The Bears don't want him back. So we're kind of keeping him out of this discussion just for hypothetical purposes here. But like, you know, rotate another quarterback in, Alex Smith. The Matt Nagy connection is strong, but... Needs a lot of the same support that Nick Foles does. Even, I think Derek Carr is pro- is the Bears' best option among the rumored trade quarterbacks. I think he needs the least support among all of the guys in this group. But I'm still not convinced that you add Derek Carr to this Bears team and they're ready to compete for a Super Bowl. They still have a lot of work to do. So it's like, how much are you giving up to get this quarterback and then you still also have to use whatever you have left to support that quarterback to be able to make enough of a difference. That doesn't mean there's no point in pursuing quarterbacks. It's just about what is going to be the best use of your resources and of your options because most quarterbacks in the NFL need support. They need, I mean, every quarterback needs some support. No one can truly do it on their own, but, you know, there's only the, the Brady, the Mahomes, the Watson, the guys that truly elevate the level of play around them, Aaron Rodgers, there's, what, 10 of those guys if you really stretch the limits there a little bit? 22 other teams have to find quarterbacks, and the Bears are not going to find one of those 10 guys outside of Deshaun Watson and trading the whole farm for him. And so at that point, if you know you can't get one of those elite guys, then why not focus on building the greatest supporting cast you have possible and finding other ways to take swings to try and get one of those elite quarterbacks with drafting quarterbacks. I mean, that's the Bears' The only other way to get an elite quarterback. If you can't trade for one, you're not going to find one on the free agent market almost ever, except Brady happened to be available last offseason. Dak Prescott could be available this offseason, but extremely rare. The only ways you can get these elite quarterbacks, the majority of the time, are drafting them, or occasionally someone like Deshaun Watson all of a sudden becomes available. That's about it. So if I'm the Bears' I'm not giving up anything major for a quarterback. If I can upgrade for cheap, if I can trade a fourth-round pick for Garner Minshew and have him compete with Nick Foles, I'd take that, for sure. You want to try and upgrade the quarterback position if you can. But unless I'm getting a Deshaun Watson elite game-changing player... It's really hard for me to justify giving up a first-round pick or anything super significant if it's really not going to be that drastic quarterback upgrade, and I can take my swings for the fences with a quarterback in the draft and hope that that lottery ticket cashes in. So again, all the quarterback trade rumors and trade discussions for me come down completely to trade compensation. Any of those quarterbacks could be good fits with the Bears, could be upgrades for the Bears, but it's all about what you have to give up to get them and to get however little or much of an upgrade it may be over what they could already have in Nick Foles, who is not a great quarterback, but a quarterback who can win with the same support that you're going to need to give most of these other quarterbacks. So we'll see where it plays out, how this ends up going. We all thought the Carson Wentz deal might be done by now, and now that's kind of slowed down and other quarterback names are swirling around. So whenever we get any kind of development We'll make sure to break it all down for you right here, five days a week on the Lockdown Bears podcast, so make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. That Daily Bears Talk brought to you by our friends at 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a unique set of 10 beautiful diamond rings, and they're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. Again, this exciting collection of truly unique, limited edition diamond engagement rings is available now only at BlueNile.com. You can count on plenty more quarterback analysis coming your way until the Bears finally pick their next quarterback. And even then, I guess we'll be talking about that quarterback, too. So it is going to be a February of quarterback talks until we get a little bit closer to free agency. The NFL Draft will cover all of that for you and so much more. So I appreciate those of you who are tuning in, those of you following along with us throughout this offseason. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you. I do this for you guys. It's a lot of fun for me. I love talking bears. I love talking football. And I love helping you bear down.